For garden color from the ground up, start with the ground. Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch from the Home Depot. Now, three bags for just nine bucks. It protects your plants beautifully and maintains its color for up to 12 months in shades of red, brown, or black that really set off your garden, not to mention your spring. Bring on spring color with Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch. Three bags, nine bucks. Now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 60 per customer. Color selection varies by store. Live from Live Mana Worldwide Studios in the heart of Little Italy, San Diego, heard globally on Armed Radio, seen globally on Facebook Live, pre-recorded for TV. <laughs> it's Morning Gratitude with the Mayor featuring Joshua T. Berglund. Wow, guys, what a day. What a day. On today's show, oh my gosh. On today's show, we have an action-taking phenomenon. Strategy turns into results fast and furious, and relationships are deep and rich in the space he orbits. He has published and co-authored and featured in over 50 books, 50 books, 28 bestsellers in 45 countries, five motion pictures, and featured in countless magazines. Our special guests will share the most valuable lessons we learn and are also the easiest ones to apply. Recently... Oops. (laughs) Oops. <laughs> Recently, he has been handed, hand selected by the Napoleon Hill Foundation to help carry on teaching found in the Bible of personal achievement, Think and Grow Rich. You may know him from Forbes. You may know him from Inc. or Fox Business, Microsoft, Servex, Secret Knock, or even TEDx. If you do not know him, get to know him here on Morning Gratitude. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an absolute honor for me to introduce to you Dr. Greg Reed. <laughs> and then the crowds go wild. Yeah, I know. The studio audience, the studio audience, uh, I know is clapping out there for you guys. I, man, I am so stoked to have you on the show, Dr. Reed. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. No one's called me Dr. Reed until you. You're the first person. Woohoo! Hey, because you're the doctor, man. You you earn the title. So I it it is my duty to address you appropriately. Um, first things first, Dr. Reed, I I want to give you my gratitude for the day because when we first met, you didn't know who the heck I was, but we met at an event with Henny Morales, and you came up to me and were just so freaking kind. And it really, really lifted my spirits in such a way that it propelled me forward. So I owe you an extreme debt of gratitude for treating me with the respect you did. And you didn't even know who the heck I was. So thank you. Oh, God bless you, brother. You know, it's so interesting. People don't understand the simple concept that every single person you meet knows something that you don't know. You ever think about that? No matter who they are, where you are, in an elevator, sitting on a bus, uh, at a ball game, someone sitting right next to you knows something you don't know. What if we had the mentality that all we want to do is extract some of that information so we could have it for ourselves and then share something with them and pass it on? What a concept, right? Amazing. I love it. So the first thing I want to ask um, Dr. Reed is what are you grateful for today? Hmm. The ability to be grateful. I, I think it's the attitude, you know, the 
important, but it all comes down to is the awareness that I actually love the space in which I am at. And I also understand the power that we are where we choose to be. So our outside influences, our inside influences are determined upon what we choose and desire. So I appreciate where my life is because I'm the person who put me there. And then I ask amazing people to help me along the journey. That is, you know, you have had, I just, I got to tell you, I mean, there's, I, you're looking at your wall of, of, of accomplishments and just seen you speaking all over the world, the United Nations, um, Cervex, the City Gala. Like, there's all of these amazing places, and you've been around some of the most influential minds in the world. But, like, what dreams and goals have inspired you to succeed? I think it comes down to is I want to look back on my life and say I did rather than I wish I would have. That's it. You know, when they're pumping our chest in the hospital on our final days, they're not going to ask us what kind of car we drove in on or what kind of watch we had. We're going to talk about the memories we, you know, went through and the experiences that we shared with other people. And so for myself, I just want to actually leave it all out on the field. When I was young guy, I think in my teens, I had a bucket list like a lot of people and they were crazy things to do. And it's kind of cool at 54, as of three weeks from now, I will have accomplished everything on the bucket list. So now it's a matter of doing what comes next and meeting these amazing people. It's really interesting because I also realized that the most successful people are also the most available people. And this is something that's hard to comprehend. You know, you don't have to be rich, famous, a rock star to get access to the greatest minds of our generation. Usually they're waiting for someone to ask them how they did it. So I understand if you're brand new at something, you're happy, go lucky, you're fresh or cool. And if you're at the top, you're happy, go lucky, you got nothing to prove. If you're in the middle, pain in the neck. <laughs> you're filled with ego. You're edging God out. So the secret is to literally jump to the front of the line to the people who are getting the results you want. And then you start doing it for yourself. With all of the brilliant minds, again, going back to this, that you've been around, what would you say that would be the one thing that they all struggle with the most? You know, I would say the old stinking thinking. You know, we question our our, our own uh, successes. And it's so interesting. It seems like so many people nowadays take personal responsibility for things that go wrong. You know, they say, it's my fault and I'm, I'm, I'm taking accountability. But we don't take enough accountability and responsibility for things that go right. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting. In our world, daily existence, usually there's 10 things going on at any given time. There's eight things that are rocking, one thing that's a little shaky, and one thing that's kind of like crap in the bed. And what happens is, unfortunately, we focus on that negative thing so much, we don't give ourselves the credit for the good things that are going right. And I think that that's one of the things that all great leaders do is they focus on, you know, the perfection. And, you know, I think it's about progress, not perfection, that truly gives us a life of sustained abundance where we feel like we're achieving. That's awesome, man. That is. So hey, wait, I, by the way, I'm looking at my little wall of the thing here. I got to show you guys something cool. This is one of my favorite ones. Check this one out. This is Buzz Aldrin. You know, oh my God. Buzz Lightyear. Right, right, right. I got a chance to give him the Lifetime Achievement Award at the uh, City Gala that's coming up. And this is that what you're talking about. Check this one out. So this is. That's the United Nations. Yeah, United Nations. But this is my favorite one of all time. Check this out. Uh, last year, uh, the City Gal was doing this big function, and they invited uh, uh, John Travolta to come. And I got to interview him. And at the end of the interview, I asked him to teach me Pulp Fiction dance. No. <laughs> and it's like, 
it's so funny. You know, I've met billionaires. I've met all these iconic things, but that was one of my favorite experiences of all times. It's so funny because, you know, you grow up with something, they get to meet these people. It's pretty, pretty amazing. What so what interview that you have that you have what interview that you did surprised you the most? Like when you when you went into an interview and you were just kind of like, oh well, I'm doing an interview. What what person would you say surprised you the most? Evander Holyfield, the sports icon legend, was one of the greatest philosophers I ever met in my life, and I didn't see that coming. And I asked him, I says, why is it that you won more heavyweight championships than anyone else in history? And he says, I have a higher standard. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, in sports, I showed up early. I left late. I invented exercises. I had a higher standard, and I won more championships. He goes, where could you be outside in your own chosen field of endeavor if you had a higher standard as well? And I said, didn't it hurt being in a fight? He says, yeah, it hurts. But when you're in a fight, you don't focus on the pain. You don't focus on the blows. As soon as you do, you end up on your back knocked out. But that's what people do outside the ring. They focus on gas prices, war, economy. And they wonder why they never become a champion. And he pulled me in tight. It's like an Adonis of a man missing half an ear bitten off by Mike Tyson. <laughs> he says, you know what the funny thing is? He says, when you do win the championship, he says, everyone comes to their feet and they chant your name. They raise your hand in victory and the guy puts a big shiny belt around your waist. And at that moment, in that second, you don't even feel one of the punches you took along the journey. But the guy in the losing locker room will have every excuse and feel every bruise for the rest of their life, wishing they had a higher standard. Oh, my God. And he is an inspiring man. I'm just I'm trying to take this in and I apologize. I'm not giving these rapid fire questions, but that kind of surprised me because you have met the upper echelon of the who's who people that are changing people's lives. What would you say the biggest thing that you learned? Because I know that you're now a part of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. What would you say the biggest? I know there's so much, there's so many amazing nuggets that the books that have have influenced millions and millions and maybe even billions of lives. But what would you say the one thing about that book or your teachings with Napoleon Hill have stuck out the most that you've applied most to your life? Stickability. It's about the power to persevere. Look, first there's a dream, then there's a challenge, and then comes victory. Unfortunately, almost everyone quits in the challenging times. And for those of you who are not familiar with my work, I actually am a commissioned author through the Napoleon Hill Foundation, where I got a Willy Wonka ticket. In fact, I'll show it right here from the Napoleon Hill Foundation to uh, travel the world to meet the most powerful and influential people and then tell their stories in book and film. And what's that? I said, I am so jealous. (laughs) Hey, I'll show you something that's kind of cool because I'm in my library. You can see all the different books and all this stuff. But this one's pretty, pretty, pretty neat. When uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation uh, commissioned me to do the first project, they gave me one of these. This is Think and Grow Rich, one of the original bad boys from the archives. <laughs> but wait, check this out. This is one of the last ones he signed before he passed away. So oh, wow. how cool is that? And then right here, we took a bunch of audios from 1940s that no one's ever heard yet. And I get access to all of his uh, materials that go through to see how we can recraft it and bring it to a modern voice. So it's, it's, it's a pretty neat little journey. But back to your question is stickability. It's so funny. When I do uh, projects, I make everyone sign product. <laughs> so like stickability, I had all these billionaires and stuff sign duct tape wherever I went. And the whole idea is to find out how they persevered. And what it kept coming down to is the power of flexibility. 
So stickability has to be parallel with uh, flexibility. And the guy who invented the cell phone, Marty Cooper, taught me this. And he said the spider monkey in the rainforest is the most quick, nimble creature. You can't harpoon it, spear it, catch it because it's too wiry. But one hunter figured it out. He took a heavy log, drilled a tiny hole, dropped the peanut inside, and left it at the base of the jungle. The monkey would smell the nut, come down, reach his hand in, grab a hold of it, and his fist becomes so big he can't pull it back out and become anchored to the log. All he's got to do is let go, but he thinks that nut is nutrition. It's saving him, so he holds on for dear life. The hunter comes by an hour later, captures the elusive spider monkey that's trapped to the log. And the question is, are we holding on to our own nut in life? It could be in the form of a job or a deal or a house or a car or a whatever. And what we think is saving us right now, we're holding on for dear life, just like the monkey thought the nut was, could be the thing that's leading to our own demise. Sometimes we have to have the courage to let go so we can live to fight another day. Wow. I, um, I know we don't have much time, but I, I've, ever, I've, seen you, I've seen you speak every time. I'm deeply moved and inspired. But I also take you for somebody that is one to make their own rules. I mean, you have the principal foundation to which you live and, and, you, and the way you live your life. Right. But I've always been curious, and I've always wanted to ask you this. When is it okay to break the rules? I've never followed rules, so I don't have that question. I, I mean, I've broken the mold on pretty much every single thing I've ever done in my life. And I, I, I've lived by the philosophy, I'd rather ask for forgiveness, forgiveness than permission because it seems like that's the way it works best in my world. So, again, I mean, I got a D in English. I am the least qualified guy to be a... You've written 50 books. You have a D in English? 64 books, 45 languages. It's, it's, it's absolutely wild, right? Because oh. I understood the power to work your strengths and you hire your weaknesses. So, for example, I will write my words and I'll say, a boy wakes up, gets off his ass, takes action, takes his dog outside and goes mows the lawn for money. And then my ghostwriters people that work my weaknesses, they take those words and say, it was a glorious Sunday afternoon. A young <laughs> took his best friend to meet the new morning as the sun rays danced upon his cheeks. So they're the ones that make it sound like that. And so I understand that I can take my message, but surround myself with expertise to bring it out to the masses. That is amazing. Okay, last question. There's a lot of young entrepreneurs. There's a lot of people that are watching, that are listening on Armed Radio right now. There's a lot of people watching on Facebook Live mm. that are entrepreneurs or people that are going, that are struggling and they fail after they fail after they fail. And they don't really see a way out. Mm. What was the one thing that you can say to everyone out there that is struggling with something or they're just now getting started? What is the one piece of advice you could give them? Yeah, seek counsel and not opinion. Uh, the inventor of super string theory, the big science thing, if you ever watch the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon's always working on it. Well, the guy who discovered what string theory is, I, I had a chance to sit down with him, and he said, successful people seek counsel where failures listen to opinion. And I said, what's the difference? And he goes, well, opinion is based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, inexperience, like a family friend who's maybe never done what you're about to venture upon. Counsel is based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship, you know, people have paved the way. If you go to a family friend and say you're going to write a book, they might talk you out of it because they've never written one. If you go to Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, and say, hey, I want to write a book, he'll say, great, sit down. Before you get started, here's what you need to know. 
and give you counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, and mentorship. John Schwartz said, if we would spend our activities only seeking counsel and ignoring people's opinion, that's the day your life would change. Wow. Well, Dr. Reed, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I'm going to give you a giraffe. Mm. And um, you cannot give it away and you cannot sell it. What do you do with it? A draft? A, gir- a giraffe, like a pet giraffe. Well, obviously, I open up a little petting zoo in the backyard and find a way to get that giraffe to work for me. I mean, that's the whole concept of personal achievement and success. Entrepreneurship, baby. <laughs> okay thank you so much for humoring me uh dr reed thank you so much for blessing us with your time man i'm so grateful for you and uh thank you again and i i look forward to seeing you again anytime you're a rock star by the way i watch your show all the time i love how you start with the music i love your energy you always bring it and more importantly you're very authentic and you come from the heart so anytime i can be of contribution or value you let me know all right that means so much to me man thank you you're a rock star. Bye. Bye, Dr. Reed. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I, I, <laughs> so guys, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for watching that. Um, I had a guest scheduled and unfortunately she was, went to the hospital and I reached out to Dr. Reed yesterday, last minute. And, um, it just, it, it blows me away. Like he, I mean, I just, and he said, yes, like I cannot believe I got him to come on the show and interview. So I, that was incredible. That meant the world to me. Um, and I, and guys, if you've not seen him speak, you have to check him out. It, it, it's unbelievable. He has written um, three feet from gold is probably my favorite. I don't know everyone out there, what you guys, I, I know a lot of you have read his books. I don't know which one is your favorite. But Three Feet from Gold is my favorite because there's been so many times in my life that, you know, I wanted to quit. And and right when things just got so messy and and, and like, oh, my God, how am I going to get out of this? All of a sudden, you know, it, it's just like right on the other side of it is victory. And it's proven time after time. So I recommend checking out that book. Um but yeah, that's that was incredible. Uh, really quick. So everyone listening on Armed Radio uh, and then everybody watching on Facebook Live, welcome to the show. Um, and the guys, if you're listening on Armed Radio, please go to Facebook and watch us live. You can join in the conversation. Um, you know, there's comments on the screen here. And heck, if you even want to join the show right now, you can. Um, Muhammad wants to be a guest. Uh, let's see. Did you ever... I. Did you ever give the answer to the draft question, Don? Don asked, yeah, he gave the answer to the draft question. Um, Enos, good to see you all the way from Jordan. Wow, this is the amazing thing about technology. There's people from all over the world watching the show, um, not just the United States, all over the world. So, um, Jamie, good to see you. Enos, Karen, Tyler, uh, great to see you guys. Veronica, um, Golly, there's great to see you, Brian Mount, Bradley Reichman. Good to see you, Aaron Garcia, Doctor Garcia. Good to see you. Uh, wow. Anyway, guys, welcome, welcome to the show. So there's a lot of two. There, I'm going to use this opportunity because this is I'm solo the rest of the show. There's a lot of people that have just now started watching. Watching from Japan, rad. What part of Japan? Um, 
So there's a lot of new people that don't know anything about me and like, why the heck is this guy calling himself the mayor? Um, and, you know, I've alluded to some things on the shows this week that were probably a little insane. So there's a lot of you that don't know crap about me. So I'm going to fill in some blanks and use this time because believe it or not, I got the record button to work. So that means that this broadcast is number one, even though it's been streaming and going on all week. This is number one before we go to iHeartRadio, if we do. We've got to get six pre-recorded episodes, um, and then evidently, then we can go to iHeart. Now, but there's some changes that happened last night that I cannot share with you, um, but I'm really, really excited because this opportunity is even bigger than the last one. Uh, Nagoya, Japan. Is that, did I say that correct? That is amazing. So welcome. Is it Singh? And forgive me, I don't do well with Japanese. I barely speak English. I'm from Oklahoma. You always watch. Wow, this is amazing. So I thought I would share um, a little bit about me to fill in some blanks. So first of all, um, we'll start with the mayor. The reason why they call me the mayor and why I've referred to myself that way is because one day, right after a miracle took place and we were uh, Karen and I were able to get a place in San Diego, um, I was walking through the streets of downtown. It was like five o'clock in the morning and I just was doing gratitude. I was thanking God for a, a, allowing us to get this place to live. Um, and, and just, and thanking God for San Diego and all of the amazing people I'd met here. And I had said that, oh my God, I love this place so much. I'm going to run for mayor. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. So I Googled, what does a mayor do? And um, when I read it, and it was talking about putting people together and organizing and being the city's cheerleader, and I thought, oh my gosh, I've been doing that my whole life. I just didn't have a city to root for. Um, I am from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I love where I'm from, but I was set free in California. I, I This is where I learned that I could, everything that I dreamed in my head, I could make true. Um, and so California gave me life, but it's been a wild ride since we've been here to say the least. That said, um, I, I one day on one of my morning gratitude shows, before it was called morning gratitude with the mayor, I said that <laughs> I said I was going to, I love the city so much. I'm going to run for mayor and I still may, but, um, it, it just and then I didn't really know that people were going to start addressing me as the mayor, but I've gone with it and I saw the opportunity and I love the nickname and it makes sense because I am the city's biggest cheerleader and I uh, and what I do professionally is very mayor like I just do it professionally. Um, that said, I'm pretty sure the influence that I would be able to have is going to be a lot bigger than being a mayor. And I'm not the least political person you've ever met. You'll hear things come out of my mouth that will probably shock you, um, but also inspire you. Um, that said, I had many people when I started talking about being in jail six times say, you can't tell people you've been in jail six times if you're going to run for mayor. Well, if I run for mayor, I'm going to tell them a lot worse stuff than that. Um, but besides that, it's public record. So what the heck? Um, so here's the deal. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about me. So you understand where I come from and why morning gratitude is so important to me. Let's see. I've got 
26 minutes, 36 minutes left here. Okay. So I grew up in Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I have two half sisters. I have a younger brother, uh, my mom and my father, who's now passed away. We, um, we grew up in an upper middle class home. It was a, a fantastic, a, a fantastic life, honestly. Grew up going to the country club every day. Um, and good, good vacations and really had everything I ever need. I never wanted for, wanted for anything. In fact, I had every privilege that a white man in America could possibly have. Um, when I was seven years old, I was molested for the first time, uh, by two older guys and, uh, was proceeded later to be molested by, um, a woman. And, um, that's also when my sisters, my two half sisters that were older, they left and I really didn't know why. Um, so I thought it was something that I had done. And right around that time as well is when I, the, the, the physical abuse had started in my life too. Now, instead of getting help and having a voice and screaming out for help, I, I internalized everything. And it, 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 what that did over time was it began to just poison my soul. So instead of having, you know, a, a healthy, like I, I, being able to deal with those problems in such a way that were healthy, internalizing, poisoning my soul, it made me a very angry person, like extremely, extremely angry. Now, thank God for sports because football allowed me to physically try to hurt people and football allowed me to hurt myself. Um, I recall punching my face in the, with, in the face mask all the time just to make my hands bleed. And, um, you know, I was just, again, violence and anger. And, and that was a great outlet for me. It made me a good football player. I was slow and, you know, not really, um, that gifted, gifted of an athlete, but that anger propelled me. And that anger was really good for me, except for the golf course. Now, some of the guys on here have played, um, <laughs> have played golf with me. And they remember when I was young, I used to break a lot of clubs and, uh, and had a really bad temper. Now, that all through high school, um, you know, I, I dabbled in alcohol and smoked weed a couple times, but it wasn't really um, my forte necessarily. It was really anger. It wasn't until my football career ended that I um, had no outlet for my anger and I turned to alcohol and drugs with uh, reckless abandon. Um, alcohol has, you know, never been something that is, is, is afflicted me that bad. I mean, yes, I've been drunk. Yes, I've made some really bad decisions while drinking, but it was cocaine that set me free. Um, and, and, and ecstasy. And I'm not endorsing these drugs at all, but what it did was it made me feel normal. I was extremely socially awkward and I still am. It's funny. I'm 38 years old. I get nervous. If you guys see me before the show, I'm like a nervous wreck before I come on here. And, um, I, uh, I, I so I, I'm a nervous wreck. I, I'm socially awkward. Like it's easier for me to get on stage and talk than it is for me to walk into a bar or a restaurant because I don't have control over the room. It's easier for me to sit here and talk to you behind a microphone than it is to meet you face to face. In fact, um, if most of you that if you have met me, you know, you, most people are disappointed after they meet me because I'm awkward. I, I don't know how it's easier for me to receive love 
through a computer <laughs> than it is in person. Um, so, but turning to drugs, it, it, it made me feel normal. It made me feel like I could fit in. And that was fine until I started mixing, realizing that sex and drugs went together. And I, that my obsessive brain to feel better, to escape the personal hell that I was living, I became obsessed with that. And then my cocaine habit became a five to six day a week cocaine habit. Um, that went on for a long time. Um, this is, I've, I've been divorced twice and both times I've been, and I've lost, I do not get, I, I do not have the ability to see my twins. I had to give them up for adoption and um, because I was a piece of crap father. That's just straight up the truth. Um, I had no business being a father. Um, I have a now 17-year-old daughter that um, I did not know about until I was three and a half, but by the grace of God, she has come back into my life. Um, and I everything that I do today is to be able to provide an opportunity for her to come to California and have a better life um, than she does in Oklahoma. But I wrecked two marriages, lost my kids, and basically lived a very messed up life. Um, I cheated. Uh, I, I, I stole, I was, um, I wasn't never honest and I wasn't honest with myself. I wasn't honest with other people. And as I've shared before, I, I wore so many masks that I would take off one mask to show another, uh, no one knew who I was. And, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's funny because there was a certain few people out there that knew me that saw something in me that was great. And um, there's people that believed me a long time ago and people that would look at me and say, get the heck out of here. And this is when I lived in Oklahoma. There was people that saw things in me, but I didn't know what it meant. And I didn't believe it myself. I, um, I've been to jail six times and I've been to jail for fighting uh, domestic issues. I've been there for DUI. I've been there for getting arrested for seeking an escort. Um, I've, yeah, so fighting, DUIs, domestic, um, yeah, six times. But it wasn't until the sixth time I was in jail that I was put into, put in isolation. Um, I made the mistake of telling, well, actually, it's not a mistake at all. But when I went to jail, I knew that I was in a lot of trouble this time. And um, I got in a, we, Karen and I, I got in a fight with Karen and I was very aggressive. Um, I was high on cocaine uh, and alcohol. And um, <laughs> you think I would have learned my lesson because this is right after losing everything and being homeless for two weeks. But um <laughs> But right after I got back on my feet, it proceeded to go off on a cocaine binge and, and, and drink a lot of alcohol. This is two and a half years ago. And uh, went to jail, and I, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was in a lot of trouble. And um, I told them, because my health was really bad. Uh, I, was in, I, cannot begin to be, I cannot begin to tell you how bad of health I was in. And uh, I told them that. So they put me in isolation. Well, L.A. County, uh, isolation in L.A. County 
is 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 also like the psych ward. So I was on these. If you are watching on Facebook right now, these cells were really really small, and they're stacked next to other cells, and you can't see anybody, but you sure as heck can hear them. And there was people screaming, horrific nonstop screams, and and just expletives and violence and and nonsense, and it was like a, the worst acid trip you could imagine. And um, I, and I'm just I'm going crazy. And be, one of the issues that I battle with is I like I don't like noise. Like I have this really loud, booming, crazy voice, but I. <laughs> I hate noise and, and like in certain things like freak me out and like really, really bad. Like I have a hard time comprehending certain things and, you know, having a job has always been very difficult for me because I see things that I can't make other people see or understand. Or when I know something's wrong and, and yet I'm being told that it's right. Like it, it bothers me. It freaks me out. But here I am in isolation and hearing these horrific screams. And then all of a sudden I start screaming too, but then I'm screaming at God. Like I'm screaming at God. Like you, you, you can change everybody, but me, you can change everybody, but me, you, I begged you to change you. I, I or to change me. I begged you to change me. I begged you to make me normal. Why won't you change me, God? Why won't you change me? And um, <laughs> I heard and felt you have to forgive your father. <laughs> How? How do I forgive my father? Because it happened to him too. For the first time, and at that time I was 36 years old, but for the first time, I had compassion for my father and I was able to forgive him. And once I was able to forgive my father, I was finally able to forgive myself. And so when I started talking to God again, and what I forgot to say was, I forgot one very important part. Um, before I started screaming at God, I was asking for a magazine, a newspaper, a book, anything that I could get my hands on. They wouldn't give me anything. And then I was like, you have to give me a Bible. <laughs> I, I had it, I had it in my head that they had to give me a Bible. And I've never really tried to read the Bible. It didn't make sense to me at all. So I'm like, I'm trying to read Genesis. And I'm like, what the, whatever. And then, and then I went to, um, I remember my friend, John Phipps, who is a pastor who I used to party with <laughs> in high school. Who's, <laughs> who's now sober um, and leads an amazing church called the good fight ministries. And um, I remembered him and I go, Oh, John, I'll read John. So I read the whole book of John and it, it kind of made sense. 
flipped around with the Psalms and then I went to um, Proverbs. And as I was reading Proverbs, I go, oh my God, I'm doing that wrong, doing that wrong, <laughs> doing that wrong, doing that wrong. And that's when that, that's what actually caused this screaming match with God. So after um, that, that moment of being able to forgive myself, I went back and read John. And that is when I really broke. Um, that is when I was able to feel for the very first time when talking to God, I felt consumed by the Holy Spirit. And um, I've tried to do the one universal God thing. I've tried to... <laughs> I've tried to like meditate my way through problems. I've tried to meditate my way through... Um, and, 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 you know, like, oh, well, the universe is going to save me. I'm going to tell you something. I have a lot of friends that, you know, work with the alignment of the universe and, and, and all of that stuff. And they're Buddhist and atheists. I have a lot of Muslim friends. I have a lot of atheist friends. Um, and I love them all. I care about all of them deeply. <laughs> but for me, there is no other way than giving my life to Christ. No other way. So I, um, I gave my life to Christ in, uh, on, in, a, in isolation my sixth time in jail. And at that point, I thought that I was going to be in jail for um, the next six, five years. I thought I was going to be there for five years. And, um, pay, like calling to the payphone, just trying to connect. I was going crazy. I was just losing my mind. And, but after I, um, gave my life to Christ, everything started to calm down. And all of a sudden I became at peace with the fact that I was going to be in jail for the next five years. And I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't. I mean, I'm bald now, but <laughs> I had long hair and I sure as hell didn't look the part <laughs> to be in jail. For <laughs> I, I sure as heck um, did not look like I belonged there. Um, you know, I was pretty much Gucci down to the socks, so to speak. Um, but I came at peace with it. And I honestly said that, you know what, God, I'm tired of running for my purpose. I'm tired of running from what I've known you've called me to do since I was seven years old. So use me effectively in this hell hole. Use me for your will. So three days later, which would make day five, I got moved to um, a new, a new cell uh, at the courthouse and I was supposed to see the judge. And, um, Well, let's just say that I didn't even have to see the judge. I was pardoned and released. And I was given a new life. A life that I didn't deserve. I, um... 
a life I a life I didn't deserve, but one I do not take for granted ever. It has not been easy the last two and a half years. It has not been easy at all. We have lived by faith month to month. Miracle after miracle for us to stay here because I really felt like God wanted us to be in California and God wanted us to be in San Diego. Um, I, um, everything that I'm doing now, when gratitude started, I have to give a thanks to Sally Gibbs because when this show started, it started because she posted on Facebook a daily gratitude. She had committed to doing 365 days of gratitude. And I was so inspired by that that I decided to start doing these lives. And I was just doing it on my phone. It was a different time. Some of you have seen it from the beginning. But what you guys didn't know is that I've had, I suffered so many disappointments in this last two and a half years. I've had, I've been fired from brands. Um, I've had deals, contracts signed where I'm supposed to receive this money that's going to give us financial security. And because of how I share my faith, lost those deals. I lost the deals. I had a show that was supposed to go on Fox business. I flew to New York. I did not have any money to go to New York to film this, this episode for Fox business. I went anyway, found a way, scrapped the money together. I got there and with the promises of being on TV was going to change my life. And it was going to set me up financially for good. Well, that's never aired. I even did so well on that recording. And you can actually see it on my website, uh, livemonoworldwide.com. It's there. But they offered me my own show. Again, thinking I'm home free. I'm going to make it. I'm going to achieve my destiny and everything that I saw when I was a kid. Um, and, and, and it never aired and it never happened. It fell through. So I never really took morning gratitude serious. I mean, I, I did. I loved doing it. Don't get me wrong. But the way you see it now, the way it's being heard on armed radio, the way that it's going to be on TV, the way it is on Facebook Live was not this way until I went and heard TD Jake speak. Um, he wrote an amazing book called Soar, and I highly recommend it to all of you. But I heard him say a couple things that stuck out, and you've heard me say it over and over and over and over again. The blessing is in the breaking. The blessing is in the breaking. And the other thing that he said was that he was using the analogy of an airplane trying to land with one wing. What are you going to focus on? Like Facebook audience, armed radio, what are you going to focus on if you only have one wing to land? Are you going to say, holy crap, I only have one wing, I'm going to die? 
Or are you going to find a way to land that plane? So the conception of morning gratitude with the mayor, the way it is today, and the way that it will be and the way it will evolve spawned from me deciding that I have no money, I cannot pay rent, (laughs) I cannot pay my bills, I don't have a production crew, I don't have a director, I have nothing except I have Wi-Fi and a camera on my computer and my phone. So this show is me saying, world, morning gratitude can work. Interviewing people from all walks of life to have them share their heart, soul, their passion, their purpose, giving everyone the opportunity to go, yeah, you have a voice and you have a message that everyone needs to hear. Someone out there needs to hear what you have to say. I don't care if you live in a town with three people. You have a message that needs to be heard. I don't care if you're a billionaire, if you are the CEO of the most cutting-edge company in the world, if you've written 85 books, if you are a woman who lost their child with half of a heart, that instead of saying, poor me, took the fight to Congress and went and fought for children that she didn't even know, that's putting on a benefit concert that has the most amazing, some of the most amazing artists going to be, be performing. She's changed laws on behalf of children. She doesn't even know because of what happened to her child. Holy crap. Everyone has a message that needs to be heard. And that's what the show is about. Gratitude is for all of us. Gratitude. When the crap is hitting the fan gratitude, when You feel like, oh, it's sunny, it's beautiful outside, or gratitude when you score the winning touchdown, or gratitude when you lose everything. There's gratitude. That's what this show's about. So there's a little bit about me. (laughs) There's a lot more. Um, But that's the nutshell of what this is about. I care about this show about as much as I do anything. Um, you know, I've, I worked with complex disabilities for 18 years. So my, my passion for people that my passion for people that don't, that, that, that think they don't have the ability to fight for themselves and for those that some that don't. Is, is stems from seeing my parents always sacrificially give. And my early career was based on fighting for people with complex disabilities, fighting insurance companies, fighting doctors. I mean, I've cursed out more doctors than I care to admit because they wouldn't give a patient what they needed to help them become mobile. Very passionate about that world, cared deeply about it. I got into skincare when my father um developed his melanoma came back and eventually ended up taking his life in the worst tragic way you can imagine 
melanoma is awful. So wear sun protection, people. Um, but I got into skincare, you know, and uh, that is what started this journey leading to what I'm doing now. You know, I've always wanted to be a service to people. I'm not much of a sales guy. If you see me talk about something, when I do a book review, um, like Tom Special's book or Think, React, Lead by my man, Dom Fawcett, like when I, when I talk about something or promote it, it's from the bottom of my heart. I don't blow smoke up people's butt about what I believe in. I, I speak my truth for better or worse. I'm not perfect. I'm heavily flawed, but I try to be authentic in what I believe. And so if you hear me talk about a product, when you see me talk about SoCo cannabis, or you see me, I mean, heck, if it's just a tea I'm drinking, if I talk about it and, and say something nice about it, it's because I believe it. But I've never been much of a sales guy, you know, and I would just, I always to say, man, if I could do anything in the world, I would be, I would do radio. I would do television because I loved interviewing people. I loved watching Oprah. Yes, me, white dude from Oklahoma, loved Oprah, um, love Larry King, loved listening to talk radio. Love it. I, like, I love the old AM guys. Um, was a huge Opie and Anthony fan uh, when they were together. Never much on Howard Stern, but Howard was a great interviewer when he wasn't making fart jokes and asking about breast size. Um, but I, I, I love that. I love the personalities. You know, I was never going to be much of a musician. So this is what I wanted to do, and I didn't know how. I didn't know how it was going to happen because I was in sales. But from the time I was seven years old, on is like every time something bad happened to me or I was on the mat and, and felt like there was no way up. I would see this vision of me on a, with a microphone, sharing my story, talking to people, inspiring people, using my pain, using all the things that I went through for good. I, I was blessed to have a voice, size, and a physical stature that could be menacing. <laughs> but I don't think that it's any mistake that I've, that I have some of the quirks I have. I don't think it's any mistake that for some reason, like I, 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 I really enjoy speaking. I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a mistake that I'm alive when I shouldn't be. But I swear to you, everyone listening on the show right now, that I will do my best to always be authentic and always remember moments like this. Um, because I don't ever want to be... Look, I want to be successful. I want to be able to give a lot of money to help a lot of different people. And I want to be able to provide for my oldest daughter, even though she doesn't really even need me anymore. But I want to be there for her. And I want to be able to give her the opportunity to have a life in California. I want to be able to pay my mom back. I want to be able to pay back debts that I owe to friends who that bailed me out, that helped me at a time where I was in a dark, dark place. 
I have not made it. I am not success by which most people measure, but I don't live by how other people measure. I just try to be the man that God created me to be every day. This microphone that you guys can see on Facebook, it's a small microphone. It's not a professional microphone. It's a $50 microphone. I didn't really have the money to even pay for that. But I really believe that this is a very important part of my purpose that's leading to me where God wants me to be. I'm not, every show is not going to be like this, I promise. But I want you guys to understand when I share stories about being in jail or being a a crappy boyfriend or a bad husband or make comments about my children. I want you to understand that it's coming from a place that, you know, is not, I'm not dismissing it, but I want you to understand that I was a very broken person. That's not perfect. Still is not perfect, but I did turn my life around and I cared deeply about other people. I don't know how to take, the alkalades. I don't know how, when you people say that they love the show and it means the world to me, but it is a strange compliment, but I'm so grateful for all of you. Everyone listening on armed radio, everyone that's listening, um, on, or in watching on Facebook live, like I am so thankful for you because you're helping make the vision that I had, that I believe that God put in me, um, you're helping make it come true and it is so wow. Um, so on a lighter note, <laughs> I, I, I want to, I'm not, a, I'm not sorry for telling you guys that. And I hate to be a Debbie downer, but I, I've had a lot of people go, what the heck? And like, like they want to know more about my story. They want to know this and that because I've alluded to some things, but I, I've alluded to some things that people are asking questions about and scratching their head about. So I figured that I would just address it in front of all the people watching and listening and getting it over with. So you know exactly why I am the way I am for the most part. And you know that, you know, why I make some of the comments I make. But I, uh, so I wanted to get that over with and I may have to do it again eventually, but right now that's enough. But tomorrow, guys, <laughs> I have an amazing guest. I'm having Chris Burns on the show who does these crazy marathon webinars on Facebook Live, and he's a machine. He is a machine, and it's just a blessing to um, have him on the show. But even cooler, we're going to have a DJ live. My friend Eric is going to be on the show spinning live while this madness is going on. So tomorrow's going to be a lot more fun <laughs> and not depressing, but it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. The energy is going to be absolutely over the top, but I, 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 I knew that, 
everything happened for a reason. I knew when the, my, our guest, um, Elizabeth and I, I'm definitely, you're in my prayers. I hope you get well. Um, our guest Elizabeth, who was supposed to be on the show, I knew when she canceled and when I reached out to Dr. Reed and he said, I've got 20 minutes. I was like, okay, perfect. And I really felt led that I needed to do this today. Um, I really felt like this is something that I needed to do. Um, so you guys can understand why this is about gratitude because every single day I am, I am grateful. I'm grateful for the hardships. I'm grateful for the pain. I'm grateful for the failure. I'm grateful for every brand that made a commitment to me and bailed and didn't pay me. I'm grateful for you and you're, I know you're listening, all of you. Every one of you that didn't pay me or you backed out of a deal, I'm thankful for you because you didn't beat me. You didn't knock me down. And God had way bigger plans for me than what you were. That may be the most cocky thing I've ever said, but it's true. God's plan for me was bigger than you. So your rejection, your failures, or your, you bailing on me, you putting me through even more challenges than I really needed to have, I'm thankful for you because the blessing is in the breaking. So tomorrow, let's do this. Let's have an awesome show. The energy tomorrow is going to be off the charts. No more sad stuff. At least not from me for a while. <laughs> I love you guys. I am grateful for you. Thank you for letting me do this today. Um, if you are just now joining the show, do not miss Greg Reed. I was extremely nervous during this interview. I do not plan questions. And this guy, I'm telling you, he is somebody that what he's accomplished and what he's done is something that I, I do admire a lot. And um, I was extremely nervous, but please go back and watch and listen to his wisdom because it was off the charts. Um, and the rest of the show is me basically telling you a little bit about me, for those of you who don't know. Anyway, I love you. I'm thankful for all of you. And uh, I want to give a shout out to um, Soco Cannabis Creations uh, for supporting the show. And... Um, you guys mean a lot. And, um, yeah, if you guys look, I, I appreciate it. If you, if you felt like this mattered, um, to somebody, if you felt like somebody needed to hear what Dr. Reed said or even what I had to say, um, please share the video with them. Um, anyway, okay. I'm done. Guys, thank you. God bless. And, um, we'll see you tomorrow with, a live DJ, Eric Jordan, my friend, who is one of the best artists, I've, a musical artist that I've ever heard. And um, I'm really excited about having him. And then, of course, our guest, Chris Burns. God bless. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. You bring your phone everywhere. Work, school, Shh. the movies. 
Now you can bring it to an Xfinity store for an easy way to switch to Xfinity Mobile, a new kind of network designed to save you money. You can get up to five lines of talk and text included with Xfinity Internet at no extra cost, so all you pay for is data. It's never been easier to switch to Xfinity Mobile and keep the phone you love. Click here to see how. Sorry, I gotta take this. Restrictions apply. Limited to select mobile phones. Requires activation of a new line of Xfinity Mobile. Up to five devices per account. New Xfinity Internet customers limited to up to two lines pending activation of Internet service.